Welcome back to For Folk's Sake, where we don't care who you are, what you've done, or where you've been. We just want to hear about it. Episode 3's guest is Jasmine Claiborne. Born in India, Jazz immigrated to the U.S. as a young girl, where she assimilated into U.S. culture while still being raised in a very traditional Indian household, which had numerous challenges of its own. I will admit, this interview hardly scratches the surface of her experiences, and re-listening to it, I felt kind of silly because I missed so many questions and so many different perspectives because... I was honestly just in shock over the life that she has already lived, just the small bit that we did talk about. I feel super lucky to have her in my life and to have her as a friend. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this. I left this interview feeling very humbled and very fortunate for my life and the people in it. So I'm just, I'm going to stop rambling. I'm going to let you guys enjoy the interview. So uh, with that being said, you folks can enjoy episode three with Jasmine Claiborne. Well, how far away is that cookie place from your house? Like five minutes. It's not far at all. Yeah. You could go whenever you wanted. Mm -hmm. What other flavors have you tried? The Dolce Dolce de Leche one. That one's super good. Um, Damn, I don't remember. Most of the time when we go, I'm high. So you're like, (laughs) I'm not really sure like what's going on right now. (laughs) But the last time that we went right before Alex left, that cookie that we had was very, very sweet. But all the other ones are usually pretty good. Yeah. That pink velvet one was super good. It almost tasted like lemonade-y. Yeah, it like, did. Like a lemonade vibe. I thought that it was like red velvet, just yeah, pink. I thought that too. Yeah, no, it definitely tastes... Let's look it up really quick. What I like about their cookies is that they're really big. So you can have one and not feel, you know, like you need more sugar. Right. I only <laughs> ate like a third of that one and I was like, I have to tap out. Pink Velvet is a more mellow flavor, if you ask me. It is characterized by its vanilla and light almond flavors. Almond? I didn't get any almond. Yeah, I didn't either, but this, everything is saying that it's vanilla and almond, but, like, I definitely thought it was lemonade. Did did you Yeah, I was getting a citrusy, like, orangey... Yeah, me too. ...taste from it. Hmm. (sighs) Are we sure, Crumble... Let's look at this again. Man, hopefully it wasn't a sour one. Actually, that gives me an excuse to not go tomorrow, so. <laughs> I ate a really bad crumble cookie, man. Like, I don't <laughs> think I can come in. So, I kind of want to start with, like, a get-to-know jazz game. So that way, everyone, all the listeners can have a feel of, like, who you are. And then we'll transition into, like, your background. So it's, like, a little taste of jazz and then, like, a rewind of your life. <laughs> okay. Okay, so the game I picked is like it or leave it. So I'm going to give you different categories and you say yes or no. Like it or leave it. I like it, I'll leave it. Okay, Okay. sounds good. The word I hate it. (laughs) You hate it? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're leaving it. Yeah. (laughs) Seattle. Okay, I used to like it, but not anymore. I'm over it. (laughs) Are you like over the hustle and bustle of it? 
No, it's just that every time I go there, I just think of Alex because we we went to all those places together. But then when I go there, he's not there. Like it's like when you go to base and Andrew's deployed, he's not there, but you think yeah. that he will be. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Calculus. I actually like it. Do you really? Yeah. It's all calculator based, so it's like you just have to remember where to plug in stuff, and then there you go. You're good. Huh? SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, honestly, I've never seen the show. Really? Yeah. I we didn't have cable because my dad thought it was really sexual, so <laughs> so I never saw it. <laughs> I mean, he kind of has a point. Like, cable can get a little risque, but I do associate SpongeBob with Cheez Its for some reason. Really? Yeah. I think they probably had like a SpongeBob theme at one time. That's probably why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> YouTube. I like it. I love the shorts. Doritos. I love Doritos. Those green ones are my favorite. <laughs> They're like talkies, but 2.0. The Dynamita? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Brunch. I love brunch. It's my favorite meal. <laughs> really? Yeah. I like having a big brunch and taking a nap. Really? I, I want to go out. To brunch with somebody and have some mimosas and just eat and just relax. That's like Your one birthday's of my coming up. Would you really do that with me? Yeah, let's get like day drunk at like a brunch. Let's do it. And then we can have Andrew come pick us up. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Okay. Table for two. My husband will be coming later to pick us up once we can't walk. Freud. Okay, I like him, but I feel like his theories are so weird. But um, he has a point, at least with me, for penis envy because it would be nice. Do you have penis envy? Yeah, imagine just being able to, like, have you ever gone on a hike and really needed to pee and there's no bathroom nearby? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you could just... Do you not pee in the woods? Mm -hmm. I had to pee at the beach once, though. Like, I really had to pee. And at the time, we didn't have a car, and the Uber was, like, an hour and a half away. So I just Uh, peed on the beach. I mean, it happens. Yeah, no, I don't think I have penis envy. I love being a girl. I almost, like, what's the opposite of that? Like, vagina envy? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I like, I don't want to be a man. I like. Really? No. Nope. I think being a man comes with a lot of different pressures, and mm-hmm. I'd rather have the pressures of being a woman, if that makes sense. Personal opinion. No one has to support that. Child beauty pageants. I'm anti very much so because I feel like it's a way of moms in particular to live through their children, and it's really toxic because it emphasizes, you know, your looks over what you have in your brain, and it puts a lot of pressure on children at a really young age which is super toxic to the developing brain right and also they're like dressing these children up to look like they're much older which kind of also feeds like that pedophilia exactly like look at that little girl they all have fake eyelashes on oh my god and then they put like those they're called flippers where it's like fake teeth so like obviously like children are missing teeth and they're developing or whatever they'll put like uh like dentures it's almost like a denture that they put in the child's mouth to make it look like it has like a fully developed smile what the fuck (laughs) i'm dead serious i'm dead serious i've watched uh toddlers and tiaras before on youtube and they have like these little mouthpieces that make it look like the child's like not missing any teeth or anything like that Imagine what that would do to you as a teenager or as an adult in general. Mushrooms. I love mushrooms. They're so good. Do you have a special way that you like to eat them? Yeah, I like putting them. Um, so I have this thing that I like to make with cauliflower rice and I like to add mushrooms to that along with a little bit of sriracha and some chilies. Ooh. Mm. 
That sounds really good. It is. I'll make it for you when you come over. I was going to say, now I'm going to come to your house and you're going to make it for me. You made me sriracha pita that one mm-hmm. time. That was super good. You I like, liked it? Yeah, I went back to the, I went to the store the next day and got the stuff to make and then I ate it for like two days in a row. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love bread. So I like that it's really bread heavy, you know? <laughs> I like the carbs. <laughs> I am a carb queen. Let's fill in our listeners on kind of like your background. So you were not born in the U.S.? No, I was born in India in a small village near New Delhi. And then, um, well, my parents are from two different cities. And in India, kind of like how it is in America, like let's say San Francisco versus um, Madeira. So there's a completely different vibe in each city. So my mom's from Moga and my dad's from New Delhi and New Delhi is kind of like the heart of India. Right. And um, we lived in New Delhi for a while, but because my mom's parents were in Moga, I was born in Moga, which is a really small village in India. Oh, okay. So you were born in the village, but then you guys moved to like the city. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah we, after I, After I was born there and we lived there for a few years, I never went back because when I was there, I would get really, really sick because it's not really hygienic there. So, um, yeah. No, not at all. No. (laughs) So how old were you? Were you just born in this little village and then your parents like moved you right away or like... No, um, so we were going back and forth for a while. Um, so it's really hard to actually get citizenship in America. Even getting a green card is impossible. But when I was born, my dad was already in the process of applying and he was kind of in America trying to get a foundation going because he knew that I was, you know, I was born. And so we couldn't stay there because in India, when you're, when you're born, you're born into a certain caste and you can't really go up you can only go down from the cast. So you can only do like certain jobs or certain things and talk to certain people. And he wanted like a better life for me. So while he was working on building a foundation, I think it took him about two years. And when I was two, um, I officially moved to America. Okay. So the caste system is like a, like a social hierarchy, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And you can't like talk to people outside of your caste? You can, but you shouldn't. So for example, my cast is pretty high up in the cast system. So we can talk to people if we choose to outside of our cast. But if you do, you're kind of shunned by the other people in your cast, if that makes sense, especially if the person is lower. For example, I have like a family friend, her cast is lower than mine. So technically we we shouldn't be talking to her. Right. Yeah. But like, since you're in America, you're kind of like, well, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Exactly. How do people like know who you're talking to? Oh, um, your last name. It's all based kind of like, um, kind of like ranks with the army. It works similar to that, except you can't go up or you can only go down. Okay. Okay. So, so it's like my last name is X. So I automatically belong to this system. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh. It's based upon, you know how American last names. So let's say like Smith like those people used to be blacksmiths back in the day. Like it's kind of said that that's where the origin came from. It's like that, except it never went away. (laughs) Whoa. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, kudos on your dad to be like, Ooh, we got to do something about this. Even though you guys were like in a good cast, it's still, it's still not what you need it to be, you know? Right. Also, like, your gender is also like a huge thing. Yes, exactly. Actually, in India, there's a lot of sexism that's just pretty much common. So if you're 
if you're pregnant and you're having a daughter, most women get abortions because it's, you kind of get shunned by your, your husband's family because having a son means passing down the family name and it means someone will take care of you when you're older. But having a daughter just means that you're going to have to pay a dowry and nothing comes from that. So daughters are kind of like curses. They, they're the not like as beneficial. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's interesting that the judgment and hatred comes from the man side of the family when the man's the, the one who determines, determines the, the sex. Ge- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so sad to like, imagine like if you were a woman in India and you genuinely wanted to have like that mother-daughter bond, but like you get pregnant and it's a daughter and you want that baby, but like your husband's like, sorry, no. Yes. Is there a child limit in India? No, there isn't. No. Um, actually, but they still get female abortions? Yeah, because they uh, people like to keep trying until they have a boy. And let's say um, this happens in a lot of families that we know even here. So um, they'll get pregnant and have a daughter. And then it's a daughter. So they're trying again and again and again. And if someone else has a son, they'll make a pact, basically. Like, if you have another boy, I want you to give me your son. And we'll just say that I gave birth to him. Give me your son? Yeah. So, like, let's say I only have daughters and you have two sons. And I'm like, do you want to trade kids? Oh, no, it wouldn't be a trade. I would just give you my son. What? Yeah. I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's intense. <laughs> it's so sad that, like, women are just so, in India, I guess, are just, like, seen as, like, the plague. Exactly. But, like, who would be giving birth to these sons if everyone was getting rid of their daughters? Exactly. That's so backwards. Yeah, they actually constituted um, a law, I think a few years back, where you couldn't have your your child's gender checked for out of fear that people would get abortions and have, you know, their kids killed. And um, people are still finding ways around that just so they don't have to give birth to a daughter. It's so bad. And even, even when you grow older, for example, a lot of the Indian girls that I know now, they still have to deal with a lot of criticism from their parents because nothing that they do could ever match up to the male counterpart right that's a lot of stress and then I Mm -hmm. want like I guess now I can ask you like you are an Indian woman do you feel like you ever experienced that where you like knew that being a female born Indian member was like kind of a plague on your family not not actually I'm not saying that you are a plague you're very valued and you're amazing and special but in their eyes yes for sure my parents um so when I was born they my my grandfather on my mom's side he was on his deathbed and the day that I was born was the day that he passed away and my dad he like he knew that I was going to be born and so he was going to come back anyway for the funeral but when he found out that I was a girl he he didn't come see me like when I was born and he would constantly tell my mom like oh she's not a boy so she's not going to be shit that was just kind of what I heard. And so um, he actually used to tell me, he tells my sister this to this day. He's like, yeah, you're just going to end up, um, you're going to end up being a garbage collector. Like he has no faith. Yeah. A garbage mm-hmm. collector. So then when I, when I found medicine, it was kind of like, it was kind of like a saving grace for me. It was something that I could do that I loved, but he couldn't hold that over my head. He couldn't say, oh, well, you're not being useful because... <sighs> Yeah, like I am being useful. (laughs) I'm literally like healing the masses. So like, what are you going to tell me now? Exactly. I honestly, I 
hearing you say that, I, like, picture how I would feel if my father, like, did not believe in me or just automatically kind of wrote me off as a failure because of, like, my sex. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to cry. And that's not even real. It That's not even happening to me. It just... Do you feel like knowing that he felt that way about you, it was, like, a strain? Or do you think it was just kind of, like, you wanted his his approval more? Or Oh, yeah, definitely. I For the longest time, actually, up until Alex and I really got close, until we got married, I kind of did everything that I could to get my dad's approval. I would do anything. There, I would literally give him massages that would go on for, like, an hour and a half. And if he needed me to get something for him or he asked me to do something, I wouldn't even hesitate. But once we got married, I kind of realized that that's not appropriate and he can't, he shouldn't be treating me like that. So I kind of changed after that and I don't do that anymore. And now when he's manipulating me or if I can feel him gaslighting me, I'm like, okay, this is not right. (laughs) Right. You've kind of like built that emotional maturity maybe is the word you want to say where you're like, You shouldn't have made me feel this way at all. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It just makes me sad. And to like think of like all those women who are just like, and it's not their fault. Like it's not the fault at all, Mm -hmm. but it's still like your husband's family hates you for something that you had no control over. Exactly. And there's women that get their doctorates and they make a lot of money. They do whatever they can to be successful in conventional terms. And even still, they have to go through getting an arranged marriage and serving their, you know, their in-laws and stuff. And not, not like how you would with Andrew's parents. It's like, it's extreme. If they need you to do something, you need to be right there. Even if you're in the middle of surgery, that's rough. You better be there. <laughs> yeah. Do they, um, in Indian culture, did the mother-in-law, or like the, the husband's parents, they move in with you, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Was it kind of like in your family space or like family friends or whatever? Was it kind of strange that your marriage was not arranged because you have a... a what do they call it? A love marriage. A love marriage. Thank you. You have a love marriage. Your marriage was not arranged. Well, to be honest with you, my parents don't know that I'm married. Um, yeah, we, because if I told them my parents are very, they're kind of stuck in their ways. And so I'm worried that they would manipulate Alex into hating me because that's what they've done with all my friends that I've introduced them to. So I just don't want that to happen. (laughs) My cousin knows and she obviously she loves she's the reason that we kept talking because after he texted me when I went back to California she was like oh you should text him back because I was like okay whatever it's some dude you know yeah um but yeah she knows that we're married my sister knows who he is but she doesn't know that we're married just because I I don't want her to feel that pressure of having to lie yeah Yeah, definitely You can't even share your marriage with your family because you're, like, afraid of the repercussions. Exactly. And then the crazy thing is that you, like, trace it all back and it all comes back to the fact that you're a woman. Exactly. Um, I actually have an uncle who, he's a cop in Ontario, which is where, it's like the state of Toronto in Canada. And he married, um, he married an American girl. And every time that they talk about him, they don't say, oh, he's the chief of police. They say, oh, he married an American. Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) oh my gosh Mm -hmm. and she's i think she's a doctor so it's not like she's like out like doing sketchy stuff like she's she's recognized she's accomplished Mm -hmm. exactly like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah so um your husband is not indian he is he's half white and half actually 
it's kind of weird. He's half black and half Jewish, and I think his white side is Jewish. Mm-hmm. But um, they did a bunch of blood tests back then, and so his mom just told him a few months back that he was Jewish, and now he's getting really into being Jewish. <laughs> he's like, I gotta trace back my culture. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yeah, he has a little beard coming in. <laughs> oh, we love that. I love when the army guys finally get the chance to grow a beard, and you're like, They're you so go. Happy. <laughs> you go get that little bit of happiness. Yes. That is crazy. So do you think if your parents ever found out that you were married to a man who is not Indian, they would, what do you think would be that repercussion? I honestly have no idea what would happen. Um, Part of me thinks, part of me hopes that if I were to become a doctor and I was taking care of myself and, you know, also being in the Air Force, they can't really tell me anything because I'm doing my own thing. But the other part of me knows that my dad would probably, because there's in, in India and in, I think in Asian countries in general, there's something called honor killings which is to protect the family name if your kid has done something bad enough you you have to kill them what yeah so that's wait what you just never know it's it's so um i don't know if you've heard there's there's a case with a dad who had two daughters and they were 14 and 15 i believe they were gorgeous they were so young and they were dating these guys and he found out about it and he kept telling them you have to break up with them and they didn't listen so one day he took them for a drive and he shot them both i think he's in jail right now this happened like a few years back yeah and it's called honor killing where like Mm -hmm. you're protecting your family by killing your own child yeah so you're to the point where not only are you afraid because you're a woman, but you're also afraid that your parents will just kill you for marrying a person know. of mixed ethnicity. I don't know if they would. I hope they wouldn't. I don't feel like they would. But also my dad is kind of psychotic, so I, I don't want to take the chance. It's, it's kind of ironic because the just over the past few years, I've done a lot of reflecting, especially after going to Pierce and really figuring out who I am. Right. And I've realized that Indian principles aren't, Indian values in general aren't what make the world turn, you know, not cutting your hair, not having tattoos, that's not going to make sure that you die and live a happy life. You have to actually be a good person and live the life that you want to live. Right. So I didn't know that for the longest time. I thought, oh, if I cut and dyed my hair, then I'm going to go to hell. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just done for me. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, my parents don't have a great marriage and that's kind of the card that I used when I told them I'm, I used to say it when I was a kid, I'm not having an arranged marriage because most of the time the wife is abused, the husband kind of runs the household, does whatever he pleases. And hypothetically, if I were to do it, I just don't see the benefit because if I were to have my own foundation and do what I want to do, Mm -hmm. then what is my husband going to provide? He's going to hang out. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't really need the traditional aspect. Exactly. So your parents uh, were not a love marriage. They were an arranged marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think knowing that you were reproduced out of a a arranged marriage, do you, does that kind of like change your ideas about things or is it just kind of like, that's how it is for everyone. So like, whatever. Um, I think it has because love is kind of looked down upon. An example of this is I've never seen my parents kiss or hug ever. Yeah, they've been married for 23, 24 years. Not once have I seen them kiss or hug. I've seen them argue a lot, right? but never that. And so um, 
I mean, for the longest time, I thought, well, if arranged marriage is what it is, then I'm just not going to get married ever. And I, I told Alex that when I met him and we ended up getting married. So yeah, <laughs> didn't like, go that I'm way. like happily married. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for a really long time, I kind of thought love marriages were sin in a way. Yeah. Oh, everything you're saying, I just like, it makes me feel really ignorant that like, I didn't know what honor killing is. Like, I didn't, it makes me feel very ignorant and, like, blind. Kind of gross. Well, sometimes ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, now I'm kind of mortified at, like, the female-only abortion thing. Like, I, to, like, think of, like, my own sex and then to be, like, if my parents were not, like, German and Swedish and they were Indian, like, I would not be sitting here in this room with you right now. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so... <laughs> Let's, let's take a break from that for a sec. Um, so you immigrate to the U.S. Uh, tell me about that process. Because I don't know, I'm a natural born citizen, so I don't really know a whole lot about that whole dynamic. So like I said, it's a really lengthy process. You need a lot of paperwork and typically a lot of money too. So when we went and we had everything together and it was sort of towards the last steps, I guess, of acquiring citizenship, my dad didn't have money for all of us. It was just him and my mom. And so when I came to the office with them, the citizenship lady was like processing everything. And sorry. No, you're fine. And um, he kind of let her know that he didn't have the funds for me. And and I just kind of started praying in Punjabi because that's my native language and asking God to give us the new opportunity. And she was like, what, what's your daughter saying? And he explained it to her. He translated and she was like, oh my gosh. And her empathy was the only reason I have my citizenship. Otherwise, I'd still be in India too. You, so your parents would have just left you? Yeah. How much is the average cost? I've heard that it's about 10K. 10K? I think so. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. We can, we can fact check that later. 10K. And it just takes such a long period of time. I have relatives that are in India that have been trying to come for eight or nine years now, and it's still, still processing. (laughs) Right. Like you're still in that pending stage. You weren't in India for super long. Oh no, not at all. Do you, uh, sometimes wish that you were and you, or are you kind of like, thank God my parents, you know, like, how do you feel about that? Um, I guess there's pros and cons. I've kind of thought about it. Like if I was still in India, I'd have a lot of privilege in a way because of my caste. But because I'm in America, I have a lot of opportunities. I would never, I wouldn't be sitting here if I hadn't immigrated. I wouldn't have met Alex. There's, there's a lot that wouldn't have happened. So I think if I had to choose, I definitely would not go back. Would you have been able to have the opportunity to pursue psychiatry if you were in India? Loosely. Um, in, in India, mental health is not really something that people care too much about. There's actually, there's a story that I heard, um, a few years back, and this was when I was still kind of on the fence about pursuing psychiatry. There's a woman in our village who, um, her husband was abusing her a lot. And there was this one day where he went off to work and she finally, you know, she was like, okay, I've had enough. And she was going to commit suicide. 
And so um, he found out about it and he like he talked her down. And so a few days went by and she was like, okay, I need to go speak to a doctor. And he found out about that too. And he stopped her from telling the doctor everything. So she couldn't get antidepressants. She couldn't get mental health help, nothing. And I think after a few weeks, she did end up committing suicide because she just couldn't handle it anymore. How sad to like have the desire to get help and you're just, you can't get it. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, like, what would you do? Well, could you, since it's not like a super smiled upon thing, it's kind of like frowned upon. I said that kind of backwards, but like it's frowned upon. So like, do you think you would have gotten like in trouble or like, uh, like a lot of judgment cast on you and your family if you would have pursued psychiatry in India? I think judgment would have been a factor. I think people would have, you know how people even say it in America, shrinks are off yeah yeah (laughs) Um, kind of like that but in a more so in in a fashion that kind of says don't do it Mm -hmm. instead of just kind of jokingly saying it you know yeah so you guys make it to the u.s thank god for that immigration office lady for letting you in so where do you guys start off in like did you explain that to me so um my dad moved around a lot when he was trying to get money for us and for a while he was in the pacific northwest he lived in seattle but um after that he went to the san jose area and so we started there and then he bought a house in fresno and so then we moved down there okay so california that like southern california central northern most of the time and then um a few years went by and then he got one in santa monica but then he hated it so most of the time it was empty and then he ended up selling it yeah when uh did you assimilate into english oh um my dad and i have always spoken english with each other my mom and i have always spoken punjabi and that's why i i have no no punjabi accent when i speak english and no english accent when i speak punjabi because i still immersed myself in both languages oh wow yeah i actually um he he would talk to me every once in a while but when he was gone he would be gone for weeks at a time i would just watch cartoons and so before i started kindergarten because i didn't go to preschool i just went straight to kindergarten i watched a lot of cartoons and that's how i actually taught myself english Oh, not from Spongebob. So when you got to California, California is like a pretty good state for like different cultures, Mm -hmm. different groups of people. Did anyone ever give you any like hangups for being Indian and not like a natural born citizen? Um, no, I can't. I've seen it a lot, but I can't really say it's happened to me at least in California did not really happen to me although there was a there was a guy that I went to school with and he was full-blown sick and so he had a turban and everything and people would make fun of him a lot but I was a girl so I just I had long hair and so what are people gonna say about yeah like what are you gonna say that I have like beautiful tan skin thanks I already know (laughs) thanks yeah your skin is gorgeous (laughs) thank you um but however in Piola in Washington um, Dulce, the girl that's in Alex's unit, we've been hanging out because they're looking after me because he told them to. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. We like her. We like yeah, her. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. She's also from California. We went to Walmart and people like said that we were Mexican. People were being racist against us, but not properly racist. Oh. Yeah. So that was kind <laughs> of weird. That was a first for me. But, um, most of the time, generally, no. You can just tell that's how stupid they are that they think that you're his <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're like, come on, man. Like, if you're going to insult me, at least get it right. Do it right, right. yeah. 
Jeez, that's so sad. How long were you in California then? Did you like stay there until you graduated high school? Yeah, I, I was there until I was 17 and then I moved up here. Yay! Now we're getting to the closer to the time when we met. Um, Why did you move to Washington? Like, wouldn't you have wanted to go somewhere that was like warm and not rainy? Yeah, Um. so where I'm from in California is very hot like crazy hot and so for the longest time I wanted to go to UCLA and then my dad started talking to me about his time in Seattle and I was like okay well I don't like the heat (laughs) so so I took a tour of UW and then I met Alex and that was that gave me even more incentive I was like okay this campus is gorgeous and I'm not going to be completely alone right and I just didn't want to stay in California anymore That first, I'm sure when you were 17 and you were given the opportunity or like the door to leave the situation you had or Mm -hmm. like your family dynamic, you were probably like, Mm -hmm. I took it quick. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, and I met this guy. (laughs) I can't, I didn't know you guys met when you were like 17. That's so cute. Oh, so you took a tour, you dubbed Seattle. Mm -hmm. So then how'd you end up at Pierce? It's cheaper. Yeah, primarily that. So I got in and they gave me the tuition statement and it was 60K because I was out of state. And I was like, I cannot pay 60K a year. To 60K go there. a year? Yeah. Is mm-hmm. that room and board included? I think so. Yeah. It's probably like a steep 20 right there. Oh, yeah. Ooh. It was crazy. So um, I just kind of talked to a lot of people because I think Washington's climate is different from California. It's easier to approach people. Even if you're in Seattle, people are way nicer than California. Oh, that's good to know. Oh, way nicer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so people were talking a lot about Pierce. And I went there and I was like, okay, well, I can build my residency here. And I actually ended up loving it. I really wish I could go back. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel the same way. I feel like I was so spoiled at Pierce. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, the professors were so nice. So nice. Especially in that STEM department. They're, like, super nice. They're awesome. Because they, like, care that you understand the material, and they also, like, care about you as a person. Exactly. And the class sizes are small. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's a huge pro. UW is not like that at all. There's 400 people in lecture halls. It's crazy. No, I don't want to deal with that. Plant biology is how we became homies. Yeah. (laughs) That final was stressful. Oh my god. I was sweating was. so bad. It's over now though. I know, but like I'm starting to sweat thinking about it now. <laughs> like my armpits are so warm. Oh, that was so stressful. The observational part was so bad. Oh, that was the part I rocked. Really? Oh, flew through it. I, I didn't get to it really because of the essays. Because I, I did the multiple choice section and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna do the essays and then I'm gonna go over there. And I only got like halfway through it. You were like, oops. When did you decide that you wanted to go into psychiatry over, like, going, like, the MD route? Because I feel like you have a good demeanor to be a surgeon. You do? I thought you were going for surgery when we first met. Dude, what? My- the doctor that I shadowed told me that, too. She was like, you should be a surgeon. Yeah, no, I- I always thought you were gonna be a surgeon, and then one day you're like, yeah, I'm going into psychiatry, and I was like, are you? Are you sure? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I gotta be honest, I still have not 100% decided. Recently, um, the last few months, I've been thinking about anesthesiology because I think that would be perfect for me because I'm the type of person where I'm really good at paying attention to specific things and that's what anesthesiologists do. They monitor, really, and they give you the anesthesia that you need and just hang out until your surgery is done. Um, 
But I think what really drew me to psychiatry was that I really, I'm interested in mental health because as a child, I had a lot of mental health problems and I just don't want somebody to feel like I did when I, when I was growing up. I want to be like the support for somebody else that they didn't have. Yeah. But I've also been thinking, I mean, not as seriously as psychiatry and anesthesiology. I've been, th- been thinking about neurology because I like that neurology is always growing. We always have new information every day coming out about neurology. That's so true. Neurology is one of those fields that's just like taking off all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I think you'd be a great neurologist. I don't know why I've always thought that you were going into surgery. Why? (laughs) I'm not really sure. I think it's because you, the way you carry yourself, Mm -hmm. you're very like uh, stoic almost. Just you're always very just like, I don't you're very calm, but like almost intense at the same oh, time. I'm not trying to be. <laughs> no, and I don't mean that in a way where it's like, oh, she's intense. You know what I mean? You're very focused, like hyper focused at times where like sometimes we'd be like studying and I'd say something and you'd be like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's fine. No, I definitely thought that you were going into surgery, but I mean, you're right. Like neurology is turning into something and there's also a lot of ties between psychiatry and neurology exactly exactly and anesthesiology is just kind of like that branch where i mean you don't have to really talk to anybody while they're doing surgery you're just kind of hanging out observing making sure things are going well and i feel like i can do that yeah i can do that (laughs) and they're on shift which is awesome no more being on call which really sucks because you know no vacation (laughs) that is so true i didn't know that uh, anesthesiology was like that. Yeah, they're on shit. I mean, obviously, when you're in the Air Force, no, you have to you have to go every day. But <laughs> yeah, 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 that's different. But, but we're talking um, about like post med school life. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, ER doctors are like that too. They work in shifts, like eight to ten hour shifts. That's the scary thing about doctors is they're so overworked, yet they're doing, oh, yeah. like, such meticulous things. Like, mm-hmm. I've heard of some surgeons who do, like, 20-hour surgeries, and it's this awesome feat. Don't get me wrong. That's crazy to not only have enough foresight to plan for every single possible problem that could come up in whatever surgery, but, like, 20 hours working That's in that crazy. intense... And everyone's just like, yay. And I'm like, are they okay? Oh, no. Oh, no. I was, um, so there's a lot of doctors. So there's chiefs that work that are also doctors and they organize the schedule. So they have to make sure that doctors are on shift. And those dudes, they will pick up the extra shifts that other doctors haven't. They are so overworked and cranky. Like they are not happy people. But the doctor that I shadow, she only works 14 or 15 days out of the month. So she's happy. She's kind of just you know, skipping around the place. Yeah. Gosh. So if you did go into psychiatry, what do you want that route to look like? I would really want to target the most disadvantaged people that I could. Um, In particular, I think prison is a place that a lot of people who actually have mental health issues end up. And I've, I've heard a lot of people tell me, oh, that's pointless. They're already in prison. But I think you can always get out and have a better life if someone actually cares about you and gives you the attention that you need. Right. You want to be more part of the rehabilitation program instead of like institutionalization. Yes, exactly. I think people in the prison system are overlooked a lot. And I also think that's why our incarceration rate is so high. high. It's crazy. So high. Like, you're really going to tell me that like people who are selling dime bags on the corner need to go to jail for 30 years? (laughs) Exactly. And it's off the charts. If you compare it with other countries, it's crazy. 
prisoner rate in the U.S., 2021, 639. The next highest is El Salvador at 566. Oh, my tummy hurts. And so many people think that the way that prisoners are treated in prison is okay, but prison was intended to be rehabilitation, not just abusing people because they made a mistake, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, right. And a lot of the crimes that people commit, well, and I don't want to speak generally because there are a lot of people who are in prison who need to be there. Yeah. They deserve to be there. They've done awful things. But there are some people who are in prison who like made a decision when they were 16 Mm -hmm. and now they're like stuck there for 30 years. Have you ever thought about surgery? You should do a shadowing with surgery. I've been thinking, I've been thinking about shadowing because I think it's good to see every aspect of medicine at play, but I don't know if I'd be able to handle the pressure because Mm. I don't know if you've heard of Christopher Dunch. No. So he was a neurosurgeon in America who went to this super prestigious like med school and residency. He was at the top of his game. So when he got out of residency and out of his fellowship, nobody questioned him. He just kind of did whatever he wanted. He would go into surgery just high as like high as he could be. High? And- like yeah. on narcs? Narcotics? Yes. He would literally, so if someone, let's, okay, there's one situation where the anesthesiologist was telling him, everyone in the room was telling him, you know, you're inserting the screws, but they're going into muscle. You, that's not where they're supposed to be going. And he was like, am I the surgeon or are you the surgeon? And um, the patient was bleeding out a lot. And there's some bleeds that depending on where they happen, you'll, you'll see it in the blood pressure. Like the heart rate will, you know, drop dramatically. And the anesthesiologist and anesthesiologist kept saying, hey, like this pla- this patient is bleeding out. And he's like, do you see blood? But you should know you went through residency, med school, yeah. fellowship. Anyway, he would just run out of surgery and just do cocaine and come back into surgery. He would go to like strip clubs and just do a bunch of drugs. He's he's in prison now. Thank God. Yeah, but seriously. He, yeah, he killed a few people. He butchered a few others. He made his best friend a quadriplegic. Yeah. You should look into his case. It's called Dr. Death. There's a lot of documentaries about it. It's so good. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to watch that. Um, do you think that was like a pressure thing or do you think he was like severely mentally ill and then he was given the power to do whatever he wanted? Um, honestly, I'm not sure. I've been thinking about it a lot. I don't... I think that when his trial happened, he he kind of look like he was finally realizing because neurosurgeons are kind of renowned for having really large egos so they're not oh, used to being questioned yeah you know? god complex yep exactly so i think for a really long time he used his complex to sort of pacify the fact that he was killing people and hurting people and kind of blaming it on other people's oh oh the anesthesiologist messed up oh the nurses messed up you know yeah but when the trial happened and all the victims were you know kind of saying what happened it looked like it was hitting him so i think i honestly have no idea i think he had underlying mental health issues and actually the doctor that i shadow she knows a doctor that worked with him and she said that yeah when i brought it up i was like oh have you seen the documentary she was like yeah i actually like know a lot about him because of this and i was like oh my god she was like yeah he had a lot of issues and when she she was asking me what specialty i want to pursue i was telling her she was like you don't want to go into surgery you could be a great surgeon and I was like, I don't want to be like Dunch, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. you're not severely mentally ill where you would put people in the position yeah. <laughs> at all. Well, they'll like not do it just because of that one crazy guy. 
He's nuts. He sounds yeah. like a piece of work. He is crazy. He's... I, I just didn't know that doctors would be so caught up in their own fantasy that they would forget that the reason that they're there is for the patient, not out of financial reasons. Or he started dating a stripper and then after she got pregnant, she, he started this office and he was, you know, neuro, neurosurgery is really profitable for hospitals and stuff. Right. So um, people would just kind of hire him, even though his background was not great. And that didn't show up because he was so cunning that he was able to get that off of his record off, you know, killing people off of his record. What? Yeah. And um, he set up this clinic and there was this girl, she was, she was in the Air Force and she was working there as um, a PA, like while she was in, in the States. Oh my gosh, like he started seeing her and the first time that they met, he told her that the girl that he was dating was like some random girl off the street that he was helping. Um, she was having some dude's kid and she was going to go back to be with her family and nebraska or something or indiana it was something like that one of those states that doesn't matter no not that it was just like in the midwest and he basically acted like he didn't know her even though she was pregnant with his kid what the yeah and then narcissist uh uh-huh and then they started you know doing what adults do right (laughs) they were enjoying each other's company yeah and then um he sent her an email he basically said, I'm, I'm a fucking stone cold killer. You know, no one's going to get me. Yeah. It, he typed it out himself and sent it and she got deployed and they brought her on the trial and she was like, yeah, he sent me this email and she looked so traumatized. You could tell that oh, he had put her through it. Yeah. And now you're like having to testify in front of everyone. And then you're like, I look like an idiot for yep. you liking this guy. Exactly. Do you have any big concerns about, like, med school and how that's going to go? So many. The first one being getting in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Um, I'm scared of the MCAT, but I think it's normal to be. I think as long as I get in, I'll be okay just keeping my mental health in check. But it'll be a little bit easier, I feel like, with both of us being in the military. At least I'd have Alex to rely on for support. Yeah. Do you think you have any advice for, like, undergrads or people that, like... Let's say someone's starting like their first classes, like those gen ed. I would say to keep at it. Um, it's going to get harder before it gets easier, but at the end it will pay off. Nothing that's easy will e- will ever be worth pursuing. And especially when you're going after something as hard hitting as medicine, it will pay off. Once you see a patient who you've helped and their eyes just light up, it, it'll pay off. Yeah. Do you think when you finally graduate from med school, your dad will be like, do you think that will be a fulfilled part of your life or do you think it will be the same? I think, I think with my dad, it'll probably be the same, but I think I'll be fulfilled because I'll have done what I wanted to do, you know, because I've, I've wanted to go into medicine since I was, I was a kid. So at least I'll have that to sort of distract me from not having any parental, um, reassurance yeah yeah well you you have a fulfilling marriage so it's kind of like i don't really need this uh secondary approval exactly i really appreciate you coming and talking to me today i I honestly you open my eyes to a lot i well thank you for having me you know i love talking to you and call your parents (laughs) yeah this is should be a moment for everyone to call your parents and just be like, thank you for having me despite the fact that I'm a woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Yay! Thank you. Of course. Of course.